Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11 verses 1 through 10. Paul says to the Romans, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed uh, bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there has also come to be, at the present time, a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. What then? What Israel is seeking, it is not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, You heard the correct word there, O-R. Eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to this very day. And of course, David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever. Listen, this is a difficult passage of scripture we're about to embark on a four-week journey through Romans chapter 11, and it's a little bit mind-boggling. So I, I, I want to make I want to be certain one that we continue to be true to the text uh, in the Word of God and what Paul is saying about the condition of Israel and uh, and their salvation, uh, and of course about faith and works and grace. What we've been talking about for several months now. But again, this morning, our theme is that God is faithful. We're going to see God's faithfulness, next slide, in verses 1 through 4. We're going to see God's faithfulness in verses 1 through 4. So, so Paul, again, just in the same rhetorical fashion as he has been throughout, he's asking a question, and he starts it, with this therefore and he asks the question so he's referring back to what we finished in chapter 10 remember he says but as for Israel in 1021 he says all the day long I've stretched out my hand to a disobedient and obstinate people and then he says but I say then has God rejected Israel and again here's the answer just like the several other questions throughout the book of Romans Paul says Heck no. Thank you. That's right. Paul says, may it never be. That's his emphatic, heck no, no way. No, that's not the case. He says, but listen, the proof that he gives 
it is very interesting. Um, it is very interesting what he says. And I think it's kind of like he's using himself as an example. I never thought about this before this week, so I'm a little slow. He says, I'm an Israelite. He said, I'm a descendant of Abraham. He said, matter of fact, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, and that's the tribe that all the priests came, all the priests came from. He says, so, so if God had rejected all Israel, how then am I a follower of Jesus Christ? That's what Paul is saying. He's using himself as an example or proof of the case that he is making on behalf of the children of Israel. Next slide. So then we will say God is always faithful. Next slide. God is always faithful to his promises and to his people. God is always faithful to his promises and to his people. Remember, Genesis chapter 12. What was God's promise to Abraham? He said, I will make a great nation of you. Your descendants will be as numerous as the sand, as the sand on the beach, as the sand before the sea. And he said, he said, you'll be my people. You'll be my people forever. Uh, uh, God made a promise. Um, and he said, every, every family, every nation in the world would be blessed through Abraham. So one, the Jews said that Abraham was their father, and they are true. God made his covenant, they are right. God made his covenant with Abraham. And as a matter of fact, we see also at the end, right, how is it then that God is a God of all the nations? Remember, through Jesus Christ, you and I have been invited in. And we're going to see here in chapter 11, Paul's basically going to say, because of Israel's disobedience. Later in chapter 11, we will see that some branches were broken off and we have been grafted in. And that is salvation to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So, one, I think for us, in verses 1 and 2, I think it's very important for us to lean in and know that God is always faithful to his promises and that God is always faithful to his people. Now, so we really wrestle with this with Israel, right? Does Israel have a gold card with God just because they were his chosen people? Uh, do they need not worry about salvation through Jesus Christ? Well, Paul said again, heck no. They need Jesus, just like you need Jesus, just like I need Jesus. So we see then, Paul is going to explain to us how is it that God continues to be faithful to Israel and to his word. Next slide. Again, what we're going to see in verses 1 and 2 here is, um, and this is really, uh, oh, thank you. What we're going to see here is that God, or next slide, always go, always go to God's word for the answer. Always go to God's word for the answer. Again in verse 2. Or do you not know what the scripture says? Paul asked the question to the people to whom he is writing the letter. Hey guys, don't you know what the scripture says? And he begins to quote in, uh, from 1 Kings. So we see, whatever the circumstances in life are, whatever the challenge in your life or my life is, 
a one, first and foremost, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we must go to God's Word and see what the Scriptures say. You say, well, Pastor, I, you know, sometimes I read the Word and I don't understand it. Hey, join the club. Sometimes I read the Word of God and I don't understand it. Sometimes it's because I'm a knucklehead and a sinner. Sometimes it's just because I need to keep reading the Word of God and God, through the Holy Spirit, reveals something to me or teaches me something or says, hey, Charlie, you think about this this way, but I really want you to begin to think about this this way. So what happens is that when I take my life circumstances to the Word of God, God will redirect me. He will direct you. There's a difference, right? He will direct you in the way that you should go, but often, often, it's a change, it's a, it's a course correction. But in kids, sometimes when I'm driving, I go, uh, especially if I do something slightly or if not illegal, right? Err. And so sometimes what God is doing, he is redirecting you in his word. We must, and I don't want to overdo this here, but, but maybe I'm not. We must continually go to the scriptures to get our answers for what we are going through. I'll talk about this a little later in a few minutes. But you know, as we are wrestling through things like, like fear, insecurity, um, guilt, shame, anger, whatever, however those things play out in the circumstances of our day-to-day -day lives, I must take it to the Word of God. We're going to see in a minute that God deals God deals effectively and lovingly with Elijah in some of these very circumstances in just a moment. So, we're going to take a little break. You get, not a real break. You get to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to have, this is one, this is one of my like all-time favorite passages of scripture in the Old Testament. The story, the account here of what God is doing. Um, you guys know that in chapter 18, Elijah goes gangster on Ahab and the prophets of Baal, right? But you know who Ahab is, right? He is the king of Israel of the ten northern tribes of Israel. So God's children, God's people had, had, had been worshiping Baal. And Ahab had not only been allowing this, but he was participating in this. And God calls Elijah, Elijah strong, right? He's ready for the battle in chapter, uh, in chapter 18. And he calls all the prophets together and he says, well, look, let's see whose God is really God, right? I I'm supposed to be giving you the short version of the story here, but, but I love it so much. And so, so Elijah gets to mocking Baal publicly in front of all these prophets. They're cutting themselves. They're bleeding, dancing around their altar. They're calling out to their God. Elijah says, huh, did your God fall asleep? Does he not hear you? Is your God on vacation? So Elijah is, is, mocking, is mocking Baal and is mocking these false prophets. And they're dancing and they're dancing and they're getting tired and they're bleeding and cutting themselves and calling on their God. Finally, Elijah's like, okay, that's enough. And Elijah calls on God. He pours the water on the altar. He pours the water in the ditch. He calls on God. God brings down fire 
and burns the sacrifice. And then Elijah, God calls Elijah, and Elijah calls the people to take all 450 prophets of Baal down to the river and execute them. God was executing judgment on his own people for their unbelief and their idolatry, right? So here's Elijah, one of the greatest victory in his life. And I don't understand this, by the way, but here's where we're going to pick it up. Here's where we're going to pick it up. Um, I don't know, do they have the blank slide up there? Oh, ne next slide, please. Thank you. All right, so Elijah, Ahab runs home like a little, oh, Ahab, I'm preaching. Ahab runs home. Ahab runs home to tell. He's got to run and tell his wife Jezebel. Y'all know about Jezebel, right? Oh, my. Ahab runs home and tells Jezebel everything that Elijah had done. So she sends a messenger to Elijah and says, So, so may the gods do to me and even more if I don't kill you before this, um, about tomorrow this time. Jezebel threatens Elijah. She said, I'm going to kill you. Now, after this great victory and after executing 450 prophets of Baal, um, Elijah, you think he's going strong, right? You know what he does? He's scared. He gets scared. This woman says, I'm, I mean, she must have been pretty scary, right? Uh, I understand she was very powerful, right? She kind of ran Ahab, right? So what does Elijah do? Next slide. Okay, and then next slide. Is that is it filled in? Yay, okay. Thank you for working with me today. Elijah experienced fear and depression after a great victory. Listen, I'm not playing this up. He runs, and he went to Beersheba in Judah, left his servant there. He went a day's journey out into the wilderness. Dude went out to the wilderness to hide in a cave from Jezebel. What she, I'm telling you, she must have been scary, right? Yeah, so there are some things in life that make us want to run out to the wilderness and hide in a cave. So what in the world, what in the world, I don't know if I have a slide for this or not, I've forgotten, I may give it up. Um, don't change anything if I do. You know, sometimes we have our greatest trial or tribulation following a great victory. We need to be careful, and I need to be careful in my walk with Jesus that sometimes, often, I will be unaware, I will be feeling good, having a great victory in the Lord, and not be looking for that two-by-four coming right at my head. Jezebel is right around the corner sometimes, and I'm not ready for her because I'm still enjoying the victory. Elijah didn't do anything wrong, right? He didn't do anything wrong, but all of a sudden, right? All of a sudden. Um, and so the word of God says in 1 Kings 19, he, went, he laid down and he slept. An angel of the Lord came to him and spoke to him saying, Arise and eat. Then he looked and behold, there was at his head uh, a baked cake of bread. I think it was homemade cornbread right on the hot stone, y'all. And a jar of water. I don't know why there wasn't a brisket there, but there wasn't. So he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Uh, next slide. Um, okay, let's fill in the blank. Sometimes God may get you alone 
in order to hear his voice. Sometimes God will get you and me alone somewhere so that we can hear his voice in our lives. Earlier this year, uh, earlier this year I, I took a sabbatical and sometimes every seven or eight years pastors will do that and I did. And the purpose of that was to get alone with the Lord and really seek God on a couple of important things that, that I really believed I needed to seek God, hear from God, uh, uh, to, to, to rest and rejuvenate, and, and, but mostly to get into God's Word, to be in prayer, and to hear from the Lord. Sometimes they need to take that time. Now, Elijah's hiding out in the woods. He's scared of Jezebel. But nonetheless, God takes his time gives him some rest. He hears from the Lord by virtue of the angel who comes, feeds him, gives him until, and he lays back down and he goes to sleep. Um, next slide. This is something we talk about in recovery. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before. There are times in my life when I need to halt. H-A-L-T. And for me, and for uh, a lot of folks who wrestle with addiction, when I am hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Usually it's a combination of more than one of those things. So, yeah, the next slide says, uh, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Listen, Elijah just had a great victory, right? Um, I don't know if, I don't think he was necessarily lonely, but he was tired, and he did end up in a place alone, a place where God got him, but then, God does something interesting. So Paul quotes verse 10 in Romans. That's why we're here, right? Paul quotes. He said, Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Remember, covenant relationship. God says, even if you are not faithful, I will be faithful. God is always faithful. That becomes very important here in Romans chapter 11. They've torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So, here's what God said. God gave Elijah a couple of instructions I think are very interesting. So he said in verse 11, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was ripping the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. My Bible says, yours might say wind, but a gentle wind. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave and behold a voice came to him and said what are you doing here Elijah God wasn't in the earthquake the breaking rocks or the fire God was in the quiet gentle breeze this idea of taking his mantle and covering his face you remember, what did God tell Moses when he was up on the mountain? I'm going to pass by, but cover yourself in the rock, because no man can see God and live. This was a sign of worship and respect, and that um, 
that one would die if directly in the presence in the Shekinah glory of God. So, and, and so it's part of worship, adoration, respect. He covers himself because he knows that God is speaking. I hope that you have experienced this time in your life when you are in the Word of God or you are in prayer seeking God and God makes it very clear to you in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit something that you are to do or something that you are that God is calling you to do or who he's calling you to be I hope you have had that experience in which the Holy Spirit uh, representing the presence of God um, supernaturally speaks into your heart and mind through prayer and through his word so Elijah is in the presence of God God says uh, brother what you doing here <laughs> it's like really Elijah what's up man and so Elijah repeats himself in verse 15 so I mean Elijah repeats himself in verse 14 and then God says in 15 the Lord God said to him go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus next slide so what does God do God sends Elijah back to work God sends Elijah back to work Elijah had a lot of work to do he said you're gonna anoint some kings this wild woman she's gonna try to kill you and you know that God told her or that God told Elijah that that she would die and her body would be spread all over the place and the dog dogs yeah we had dogs in Baltimore the dogs were going to just eat her body parts and there's gonna be nothing she was so that that was her judgment that was part of her her um, horror story kind of death uh, was part of her judgment for messing with God's prophet uh, and it happened it happened that's not the point here but it happened but you see I gotta finish the story because I love it okay so God sends Elijah back to work there are times in your life and there are times in my life when I need to take some rest I need to get on my face in front of God I need to get out of the noise of for me the noise of the television the noise of the social media those things are the earthquakes and the thunder in my life that distract me God you know most often God's not in those things and I need to get somewhere quiet sometimes um, uh, and we did it yesterday sometimes uh, I just need to like get some rest eat a good meal uh, be with somebody special and, and you know that's what a Sabbath day or a day of rest in the Lord that's what that's for um, to be alone or to be with your spouse to get quiet to get some rest there are times in our lives when we need to do that we need to hear from the Lord we need to know that God is faithful to his people and to his promises but then then God says hey time to go back to work right and so Elijah goes back to work he has a lot of things to do uh, we're not gonna hang out with Elijah we're gonna go back to Romans chapter 11 I'd love to tell you more about what Elijah did because it's pretty cool um, so we're gonna go back to Romans chapter 11 Romans chapter 11 and we're going to see we're going to see secondly here God's grace towards Israel in verse 5 God's grace towards Israel now remember in verse 4 and I need to say this God said God did say to Elijah and this is how God keeps his covenant promise 
there were 7,000 men in Israel who did not bow their knee to Baal. God says, I will always call, I will always save a faithful remnant. So, part of the answer for us is that there has always been a faithful remnant among the people of Israel that God saved. Okay, that's part of the answer. But in verse 5, he says, in the same way then, there also there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Paul says there's a remnant today. So, so Paul, right, fast forward, there's a remnant today. Interestingly enough, this came to me really late in my studying. Let me get it. Um, ha, verse 8, when God talks about judgment and, and we're not there yet, but he says, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see, ears not to hear, down to this very day. People are coming to know Christ right down to this very day. And people's hearts are being hardened, hardened towards judgment for rejecting the gospel every day. That's what we're seeing in verse 5 and verse 8, okay? And so, and so, we're seeing that God's gracious salvation towards Israel, next slide, oh, I did, it is there, today, today God is extending his grace towards Israel. Every day that Jesus Christ does not come back for his church to retrieve us and to take all the followers of him throughout history to heaven. Every day that God does not do that, that Jesus does not come back, is a day that he is extending his grace to the children of Israel and to the world. Now, Paul's making a point, God's extending his grace to Israel today. Okay, But it is also true he is extending his grace to you and to me and to the unbelieving world who still need to know him. Still need to know him. Next slide. And we here again, we're going to continue, and I think it's very important here, to hear, to hear the gospel. So it is by God's gracious choice in verse 5, literally, it's flipped around in the, in the Greek language, says, according to the choice of grace. God who is choosing to extend grace. Okay, so next we see, I want to make sure I get this right, I got it, our third point here. Salvation is by grace alone, not by works. Paul's going to talk about that. We talked about it in chapter 6. We've talked about it in chapter 3. We talked about it in chapter 5. The Romans wrote, right for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Um, that works alone, uh, that works cannot save us because we're all sinners. We all fall short. We're all, so, so we've been getting this throughout the book of Romans. But today, but today, um, he is speaking again to the children of Israel. I will look back, you could turn there if you like, to Deuteronomy 29, verse 4. Deuteronomy 29, verse 4. Y'all can say, Pastor got after it today. When you go to Deuteronomy, that's right, don't ask me to spell it, but we're there. All right? Deuteronomy 29, verse 4. 
this is what God says. Uh, remember, Moses summoned all of Israel. He says, you've seen everything that God did when he brought you all out of Pharaoh, out of Egypt. He got you away from Pharaoh. God saved you. He delivered you. Look at verse 4. Yet to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. God says, I've led you for 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes haven't worn out. Your shoes haven't worn out. Uh, you haven't eaten bread or drunk wine in order that you may. God says, I've shown you all these things for 40 years, and you still don't get it. You're deaf. You think you see, but you don't see. And your hearts, basically, you have hardened hearts. God's speaking to the children of Israel here. So what the heck is going on? Salvation has always been by faith through grace. Even in the Old Testament, when God was in the covenant relationship with the children of Israel, their relationship with God was by faith. The Israelites turned it, turned it into religion, and this is what God is saying to them in Deuteronomy 29. Here's a challenge. Um, the challenge uh, for you and for me is that we don't let some of those things get in our way, even as followers of Jesus. Now, now, for someone who doesn't know Christ yet, this is, this is of paramount importance. When you hear the gospel and you do not yet know Christ, these verses, I used to wonder, if I read these and didn't know Jesus, would I be scared? And the answer is, I, I, I thought about that when I was much younger, reading the Word of God. Uh, because here are some of the challenges. Next slide. Do not, do not let your heart be hardened. I think even in the life of, of believers, sometimes we can stray in our close walk with the Lord, not be walking in the Word, and not be walking in prayer on that daily, on that daily basis uh, the way we're used to. And sometimes even as a believer, our hearts can become hardened. Now, now what he's talking about here is, is salvation. He is. The Jews were hearing the gospel and they were not being saved because they thought they were already good with God through some of these things that we're talking about. But don't think that folks don't come to church, this church and many others around the world, and check the church box and come to church and feel good because they've come to church. It's a great place to be. Um, spend their whole lives maybe doing some good deeds and coming to church, but do not yet know Christ. What a terrible thing. What a horrible thing, right? So, so don't let your hearts be hardened. Uh, next slide. Based on what Paul is saying here in verses 7 through 10, pray, that your, pray for your spiritual eyes to be open. Pray for your spiritual eyes to be open. God will, through the Holy Spirit, reveal his word to you for the purpose of salvation and for the purpose of our day-to-day -day lives. Again, remember the answers, verse 2, the answers are in the word of God. And then, next slide, we pray for your spiritual ears to be open. We pray for your spiritual ears to be open. It is a true statement that I am a few years overdue for a hearing test. You see the jokes and the memes on Facebook, I won't repeat any of them about um, the things that husbands hear and don't hear. Um, but it is a true statement, I am overdue. 
That's a little bit humorous, but not if you're me. Pray for your spiritual ears to be open. God will use, God will use people and circumstances. He'll use things in your life to teach you and me a lesson. And our spiritual ears must, he'll use, look, God might use the most reprobate sinner on Green Mount Avenue to teach me a lesson. My ears better be open. My spiritual ears better be open to what God wants to teach me. And I think most importantly here, and we're going to go to Psalm uh, 69, and we'll be almost done, and you'll be glad. Do not, next slide, do not let religion be a trap for you. Do not let... That was the biggest trap that the Israelites, that the Jews faced. That, and Paul makes it very clear. As a matter of fact, David says it in Psalm 69, and I will read verses 22 and 23. I think you have them up there if you're taking notes. He says, this is about God's judgment and God's discipline. May their table before them become a snare. And when they are in peace, a trap. May their eyes grow dim so they cannot see and make them shake continually. Listen, their table represents their religion. When they come, when the Jews come, Paul, uh, uh, David is saying in Psalm 69, those who are not right with God, they're coming and doing their religious services and their sacrificial duties, but it's a snare and a trap because their hearts are not right with God. I think to say for us as followers of Jesus Christ in his church, we too must not let religion be a trap for us. Religion just, the good works I do, the church that I attend, um, even the words I use in my day-to-day -day speech, I'm nice to people, you know, I don't cuss folk out. At least not where they can hear me, you know. I go to church. I go to that graffiti church down the street. Sometimes I even serve some food or help out in sports camp. You know what? First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. I shared it at a. I know. I shared it at a wedding Friday night. Um, and 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 what Paul's saying there is, so you know what? You can give all your food to the poor. You can give all your money to help the poor. You can give your body to be burned and beat a religious drum. But if you don't have love, it is meaningless. Love is first and foremost in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we stop in verse 10 at a difficult and a sad place for the children of Israel, right? Because, because some in their heads, they know that God is faithful to his promises and to his people. They know this. Um, they miss the fact that salvation is by grace alone through faith and not works they miss that and then of course uh, and then of course we can't allow just to sum it up you know salvation is by grace alone not by works we can't allow religion to be a trap so we stop at a difficult place and we'll pick up at an even more difficult place next Sunday but remember us today you me so Many years ago, a man, a retired man, lived next door to us. He had been in the beach forever, his little cottage by the bay. And I used to talk to Mr. Manders, and, and, and he, like, placated me. He's like patting me on the head, right? Because I wanted to tell him about Jesus, and he would stop me short, and he would be polite, and we were neighbors. 
And then I found out he was dying of cancer. So I, I drove up the road to his son's house one night. He was in a dark room. It was really pretty sad. I mean, that's, you know, he wasn't well. He was in a dark room in a bedroom in his son's house, and he was dying. And, and I wanted to tell, try to tell him about Jesus one more time. And, and so he said, I said, hello, you know, I was smart enough not to say how you're doing, right? And, and we started having a con really, people say stuff, man, I, I know. And, and we're having a conversation, and he said, I know why you're here. He said, just don't. Just don't. So I didn't tell my friend about Jesus. He told me not to. I stopped. I visited with him. I silently prayed for him. I sat there. And a few days, a week later, he died. And his family let me know that he passed away. And we really cared about him. He was our neighbor, right? Um, interesting, you know, I love to hear history from, from the old guys, you know, about what the beach was like back in the day. But he died not knowing Christ. His eternal destiny is being spent separated from God. The reality of a hardened heart, ears and eyes that don't hear spiritual matters. So my friend is eternally separated from God. That brought me sadness when I thought about him this morning. I was thinking about us here today. And that was Mr. Manders, my neighbor, who we cared about, our neighbor who we cared about uh, for many years. And, and, so, and so we, so, so the gospel says, it is by faith, it is through grace, by faith alone and not of works. So the Israelites, the Jewish people, are struggling here. Paul is making this case that God has not forsaken them. And now we're beginning, the curtain is being pulled back a little bit, and we're seeing how it is that God is still being faithful to the children of Israel. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, this morning, as we continue in worship, Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for Jesus who loves us, suffered, bled, and died for our salvation. We thank you, God, for providing for our salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for being our Savior. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you teach us from your word, Lord God, that you continue to convict us and grow us and teach us. Lord God, may we come to you knowing that you are faithful, being certain, Lord God, that your word provides the answers for life. Lord God, knowing knowing that you're a loving and merciful God. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for these believers here today in whose name, in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Morgan's going to come and lead us in worship.